fellowship and have dinner together, uh, you can tell that there's something that bonds us together even though we've just met, and that's the relationship we have with a mutual father, amen, which is the great God of heaven. Uh, I have to tell you something funny about him. Number one, uh, I'm thankful he's here, and I know we're of a kindred spirit because he brought spoons to the platform. Uh, any man who brings silverware to church, I know we're probably going to get along with very well. Uh, and he brought large ones. I, I need to start eating with utensils of that size, uh, about a foot long there. I, I think I could accomplish more if we had some utensils like that. But I have to tell you a story I told my Sunday school class. Uh, he asked, I asked him, where do you want to go eat the other night? And he says, Pastor, anywhere you want to eat. I eat monkeys and I eat. He has a wonderful voice you'll hear in a minute. Uh, I eat caterpillars, and I eat roaches, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, we, we got all of that here, but uh, not really on the menu, uh, and he says, well, what do you eat here in the South? And I says, well, fried food. Uh, what do you mean? I said, anything, fried uh, Oreos, butter, it doesn't matter. We fry it, we eat it. Uh, I guess we probably haven't thought about caterpillars yet. We'd batter them and fry them too if we had the opportunity. So I, I took him to a buffet. Uh, fried food buffet. Misunisi was there, waited on us, just took good care of us at the front porch. And we get up there, and it's seafood night. And I said, you have to try a little bit of all of this because it's delicacies here from the south. We had shrimp, and we had oysters, and frog legs, and all of these things. And we sat down to eat together. And we started with the fish, and he enjoyed the catfish. It was very good. Uh, and then we went to the frog legs, a little skeptical there, uh, but I enjoyed the frog legs. Yes, enjoyed the frog legs. And I says, let me share with you my favorite. He says, what is your favorite? I says, it's oysters, fried oysters. They are wonderful. And so he took one off the plate, took a bite, and then just paused. I've seen that pause before. I've seen it in my wife, my daughter, other people who've tried oysters and did not care for them. And uh, he pulled it away from his mouth and he says, Pastor, I'm going to have to pray for you on this one. I thought a man who's eating caterpillars could eat a, an oyster. They have to be close, right? Uh, a little bit squishy on the inside, but we've had a wonderful time of fellowship. And um, Brother Ockham is a wonderful testimony of missions and the importance of missions. And he'll share his testimony with you this morning of how God reached him through a missionary and how God's using him. And I'm excited about the great work that he's doing over in Zambia. And looking forward to getting, uh, for you to spend some time with him this morning, be here tonight as well. And so, uh, Brother Ockham, you come and you preach for us this morning. Let's welcome him to our pulpit today. Am I good? All right. Uh, thank you so much once again, Pastor, for allowing me to stand before your beautiful people here. And greetings from Africa, Zambia. Uh, my name is Akimum Laisho, as being introduced. Uh, I come a long way uh, from Zambia to Ethiopia. It was four hours. Ethiopia to Dublin Island, eight hours. Dublin Island to... Dallas, I mean, is it Dallas? Another eight hours. So it is quite a long distance. Uh, with few time that I have, I want to share a testimony with you how the Lord saved me. Uh, in Zambia, I come from the bush part of Zambia. Zambia is mostly divided by, we call them provinces. 
here, maybe you call them states. Province, we have 10 states or provinces in Zambia. Uh, I live in the Copper Belt province. It is called Copper Belt province because that's where the mining is. That's where they do copper, uh, emeralds, and gold, everything. But that's very far from where I grew up and where I was born. I was born in the bush. I can say uh, in the jungle part. If you ask me about the city, I will not explain. I struggle a lot because I didn't grow up in the city. I grew up in the bush. So if you ask me about the snakes, the lions, uh, the bush things, that's where I am. So you are standing with a person who have never seen this. I grew up in the family of seven. My dad had two wives, and I am the fourth born. Uh, growing up, we had a challenge, and that challenge, because dad was not providing, was very much abusive to my mom and to us kids. But we thought that is normal, and that's what maybe everybody are. Uh, started school from grade one to grade seven. Uh, was going two hours walking, two hours coming back, and Africa is hot. When I came here, people were saying, no, it's hot. I was just quiet. I said, I don't think you don't know how hot it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for me, this is chilly, but it's okay. I don't want to invite you in our cold hotness, so I'm okay. Uh, it is very hot because you can walk uh, barefooted. What I used to do is you, you just pluck leaves from the tree, you put them on your feet, you tie them, that's your shoe to go. It didn't take long, you have to replace them because leaves are leaves. So... I never knew that there are shoes until in eighth grade. So when I was given those shoes, and that is because of the school, it was difficult for me to put my feet in the shoe. It was another training. You know, living from grade one to grade seven, uh, then your, your feet are like this. By the time you are squeezing them there, you struggle to walk because I never... Uh, on a pair of shoe. So grade eight, uh, I was almost kicked from school because we had no money to pay, but the principal kept me because I was good with soccer. Soccer was just a gift God gave me, and they gave me a contract to play uh, in the school team. <clears throat> For five years, the school was on top uh, because of what uh, God helped me to do. So from there, we used to go from town, city to city, and pray with other uh, teams, so we used to win. With soccer, I used to play every number, or right wing, left wing, center, defense. Uh, everywhere you put me, I was very, very sharp, especially striking. So now from grade 12, I finished that's when I was given a contract to play in the national team. Uh, that came with the responsibility of having money. So everyone was happy, and we signed that contract. 
went back to the bush to say bye to my mom, who was very happy because of the contract that I was given. That was Friday. Saturday, prepared everything. Sunday, went to church. Not to worship God, but to catch a ride. Because where we used to stay, you can, you can only see the vehicle once in a week. And that was Sunday. And that vehicle belonged to a missionary who used to come to preach to that little church. So I went there sitting, like the way you are sitting, but I had to hide my bag so that no one can see it. Then the missionary started preaching about a lot of things, but one thing that got me attention was started preaching about, you know, young people want to make money, want to be fame, want to be rich, and want to make a name. That didn't sit well with me because I was thinking someone has told him that I'm on my way going to make money. If this is the way they preach, then it is not good. So he's trying to discourage me not to go that direction and he want me to continue staying in poverty. So I was wrestling with that message uh, because to myself I was thinking I was right because I was so much obedient to my mom. Uh, I was too nice because I wanted her not to keep on crying because of the effect that dad was posing on my mom. And when he continued preaching, he was preaching now like to me alone. The Holy Spirit started convicting me that I am a sinner. Being a sports person, I was so focused because I was training so much. But I was thinking I'm okay. I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do drag. I'm very, very focused. So with that, my mind was saying, I am a Christian. But he said, none of you is a Christian. He preached from the Roman road, which brought conviction in my heart that I am a sinner. And Christ loved me. And he died for me. So he said also in uh, Isaiah that your righteousness is like filth rags. That just finished me. Then the last verse, which was like a punch to my heart, was Matthew chapter 16, where I say, what just paraphrasing this, what can you gain if, 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 if you lose your life and you gain the whole world? So that was like, I am a sinner, I need to be saved. So there was invitation, I went forward. Uh, he saw me crying, then he came to me and said, what can I do for you? I said, I want to be saved. So he took me outside, he showed me from the scripture how I can be saved. From there, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Uh, I admitted that I was a sinner going to hell. I trusted and accepted him as my personal Savior. So he looked at me and he said, I'll be praying for you. I know you are young, uh, but God may use you. So from there, I didn't go to uh, take on the contract that I signed. I went back to the village. Because I was feeling this joy and the peace that I could not explain to the people, which it was not making sense to them. And my mom was not happy with me. She was very upset. She could not talk to me for a month 
we could sit in the little house, prepare food, and she would always say, how could you do that? How could you betray us by just, you know, shunning, stopping to go and make money? You know how poor we are. So that was not easy, but I was still ministering in the home. I knew God has called me to do his work. The missionary kept on helping me, visiting me, uh, though my mom was also upset with him, but still he continued visiting. Uh, but I thank God because that was 18, when I was 18, 20 years, the missionary left the field and I became the pastor of that small church. So from that time up to today, I'm still in the same area uh, serving the Lord. From 18, now I'm 42, so I've never regretted serving the Lord. And the Lord has been faithful to me. One thing I want to say, thank you so much for the people here in states. Those who support mission work. Those who pray for missions. Because I am the fruit of mission. If you didn't pray and send and support mission, I don't know where I would be today. So I will say thank you so much. Sometimes we don't know where we support and what we pray for, but at least if you see me, you can be encouraged that God is doing might work in this world. From that little church, it has grown now, we have 28 churches. We have a Bible institute where we are training 33 men, and I lecture that. So I am part of the very church, and we have three other men we work with who are doing other work. So keep on praying for that work so that God will keep on saving his people. Thank you once again for supporting the missionaries and those who are laboring in the spreading of the gospel. Amen. So I think I've taken long. With the remaining minutes, uh, I'll take you to the book of John so that we can just uh, learn three things and we'll be done. My time is saying you are talking too much, but I wanted to share that testimony. Uh, John chapter 9, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. My major points are in verse 4. I commence reading John chapter 9, verses 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither has this man sin, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. For I must work the works of I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of life and thank you for the grace and thank you for allowing us to meet in this manner. Thank you that we have a living God whom we serve. 
every knee, every tongue, oh, Father, shall confess that you are Lord. Now is the time that you want to speak to us. May you speak as your children are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we understand my accent once again? All right. Okay. Here, I've entitled this message, The Preciousness of Time and the Importance of Redeeming It. Why? Because we have work to do. The Preciousness of Time and the Importance of Redeeming It. Why? Because we have work to do. On this, we see Jesus Christ walking. Many times we see people talking about Jesus Christ and his disciples. But in this passage, it is Jesus Christ talking about a person and his disciples. Jesus Christ was drawn into this dialogue by the disciples, as usual because they were a problem. They wanted to see or to know what why this man was born blind. To them, their mind was, for him to be born like this, it should be him or his parents. Because everyone should be okay. That tradition we have it back home. If your child has a big head, they always say you are eating too much pumpkins. If your leg is tall, they'll say, oh, you are like an elephant. So they always find someone to blame on something. Maybe here, people don't shift blame, but back home, they are the masters of that. Jesus Christ here said, no, you got it wrong. He was born like this for the purpose. I wanted to say something there. Brethren, in whatever circumstance we find ourselves, God allowed us to be born like that. I was born in Africa, not because I requested God that I should be born in Africa. I was born the way I am because God wanted me to be like this. You were born in states here because it was God who wanted you to be born here. No one decided to choose where he can be born from. We don't choose our parents. We don't choose places where to be born from. When we come to understand that, we will reduce the amount of pressure we put on ourselves. Because God has a purpose on each one of us so that we don't envy anyone. Right now, we can see from these people, the disciples, how hypocrisy they were. By saying, does it mean blindness is equals sin? Because his mother or parents sin, then the result is blind. If blindness is the cause, or if sin is the cause of blindness, I don't know if anyone will be seeing here. Because everyone will be blind. Because all are what? Sinners. That's why Jesus said, no, you got it wrong. All are sinners, even you. 
you are a sinner. Not your friend's mother or parents, not even him. He was born like this for the purpose. But that is not the message. The message is in verse 4. I must work the works of him that sent me. Jesus knew he had work to do. And this work he had depended upon him to do it and finish it. That's why he's saying, I must work the work of him that sent me. Jesus was on the mission. He was sent to do the work. And what work was that? As much as he is living, as he was living, he knew his work. That's why he said, I must work the work of him that sent me. Whether they like it or not, him, Jesus, must do that. Must is a comparing word. Whether they like it or not, Jesus must work the works of him that sent him. If we read the gospel, Mark, Matthew, Luke, John, we see Jesus Christ represented in different ways. But the common phrase we are going to hear from Jesus Christ was saying, I didn't not come to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. This is not my will, but his will. This is not my will, but his will. We'll see that from the Gospels. Why? Because he valued that. As much as you are living, brethren, brothers and sisters, if Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Bible tells me, John chapter 1 verse 12, as many as received him, he has given them power to become God's Son. So you are a child of God. Since you are a child of God, as you are living, God has given you work to do. Since we are saved, we have been given work to do. This work will depend upon each one of us to know it and do it. And not only to do it, but to finish it well. The Bible encourages you and me. How can we know that work? And the other question could be, do you know that work? Wise is a man and a woman who descend to know and do their work. As much as you are living now, you should know the purpose you are here on earth. We are not here just to escort others. We are not here just to cheer others. We are not here just to watch others. We are here for a purpose. You were not born for a mistake. You were born because God knew you. And he knew you were born here. And he has equipped you with the amount of every energy, everything that you need to do the work. Do we know that work? If we know that work, how much have we done it? How old are we? What are you still waiting to do? If we go in the Bible, we see Jesus Christ, you know, saying this much on this 
work. John chapter 3, verses 34. John chapter 3, verses 4. The Bible read, Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Not only to do. Jesus has said to do what? And to finish his work. That was his meat. Jesus valued so much his work. He even said, this is my meat. So work is equivalent to his food. Man cannot live by bread alone. So Jesus valued that work. He so much wanted to do it and to finish that work. How much work have you done? Let me say this, you might say, oh preacher, you are so much talking about this work. We are not saved by work. We are saved by grace. Why are we emphasizing on this work? We glorify God by doing the work that he has given us to do. We can only work because we are saved. We are not saved by work. No. We are saved by grace through Jesus Christ alone. And then we do the work. Why work is important? Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. The Bible reads, We shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We will be judged according to what? To our works. So, why work is important? John the Leverator said this in Revelation chapter 22. If we go there, we are going to find that he's saying, Lo, I'm coming, and my reward is with me. To reward everyone according to his work. So work is important, brethren. When we are saved, we are not saved to keep our salvation to ourselves. We are saved so that other people can see the light in us and take the light to the dark world. And thank you so much, that's what this church does. And we want to continue, do not hide in the church. In this work, what are you doing? You yourself, you yourself, you yourself. Not the whole church, but you. Because it will be required, you will stand, you will be held accountable by the life that God has given you. So right now, we need to know that work. The second point is, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. While it is day here, it is referring to the time, the period that Jesus was given to live here on earth. To every assignment, to every work, there is also time given to do that work. You have been to school here, and many of you have done, you have done a lot of assignments. There is no assignment that can come to you there is no work that can be given to you, and they say, do it on your own time. No, that's not a good assignment. An assignment always has a due date. 
They either give you three weeks to do it, or one week, or two days. That is the time. So as far as we know we have work to do, there is also time in which we need to finish that work. We can't just sit around and say, oh, I'll do it. We can't just say, oh, other people will do it. No, it is your assignment which you need to do in your own time which God has given you to do. Jesus Christ was saying, as the day because night is coming. I'm also getting odd, struggling to read, because time is going. So Jesus was saying, I must work the works of him sent him while it is day. So day here, we have already seen that Jesus is referring to his life. And Jesus was work-driven. If we see in Matthew, Jesus is represented as a promised Messiah. We see in Mark, Jesus is represented as a servant. Because there is no genealogy or there is no birth explanation in Mark, because he's a servant. Who cares about where a servant is born? As long as he can do what? As long as he can work. Do you know why we are considered in the Bible? Believers are considered to be what? Servants. We are servants. And God has instructed or has given us the mystery of the gospel. He don't care where we are born. He don't care what color we are. He don't care where we're we from. If we are in Jesus Christ, he has given us work to do. So are we faithful to that work that he has given us? When we read John chapter 2, we find that Jesus Christ was in the feast. There was one thing he said, my hour is not yet. There is another time when they wanted to make him king, John chapter 7, verses 6, they said, he said, my time is not yet. Another time he said, in John chapter 8, verses 20, my time is not yet. But when his time came, he said, the hour has come. And now it is to do his work. He was on time. He started calling his disciples, Peter, let's go. Immediately they were following him. Immediately he called John, the sons of Zebedee. Immediately they follow him. Because his time has come to do the work. That's why, ultimately, to finish everything, Jesus did a lot of work. But the last work that he did, he even said, I have finished it. John chapter 19. We read there Jesus Christ saying, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. No, he said, it is finished. It is the work that he came to do. To die for you, to die for me, to pay for our sins. He paid it all, and no one can pay. Because he said, I must do this. No one, if Jesus didn't come, 
no one would have been saved. Because he alone, he, the one who paid it all, once and all. Brethren, he did it because he was obeying to his father. There are some phrases that I want to encourage you to see when we see him, he's being baptized. The voice come down from heaven and said what? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased because he was doing that work. If you are here, you are a parent, you have kids, you have children and you give them work to do. And when you come back, you find them, they have done everything. How do you feel? You feel so good. You can even say, I wish I had 10 of these kids. Because they are obedient to me. But when you come and they have not done anything, they are just watching TV, playing games. How do you feel? To me, we even start asking questions. What kind of kids are these? <laughs> Sometimes we even ask, who is your father? Where did you come from? <laughs> yeah. When they are doing nice, they are my father. When they are bad, they are my wife's kids. <laughs> do we do that here? <laughs> so we feel good when they are doing that. And we always feel joy when we see them doing what we tell them to do. But let me bring that to your life. Why, how do you feel? Is God feeling when he tells you to do something? He has given you work to do and you don't do it. Do you think God is feeling well? No, you're saying, do you see what I did for you? I died for you. And I've just given you this to go and present this gospel there. And you are failing to do it. Of all that I did, is this what you can pay me for? Are you sure? And God is saying, I'm disappointed. Can we find our work, each one of us? And why should we emphasize on that? Because that's one way of glorifying our heaven Father. Jesus said, glorify me. In John chapter 17, when, when he was praying, I have glorified you, Father, by finishing, verse 4, the work. I've given them work, and I've finished it. Therefore, I glorify you. When you finish the work, then God will say, well done, my faithful servant. Come and rest. What kind of words is God going to say to you? How far have you gone with the work? Right now, here Jesus said, night is coming when no one can work. He's referring to death. Death is real and it is coming to each one who is here right now. Being a pastor for many years now, I've seen, visited people in the hospital. You go there, they say, Pastor, if I come out, I'll work for the Lord. You go, you find the phone, you receive the message, oh, that one is dead. They wish they could have time to come and do the work. If I take you to the place where Abram was, 
and the rich man. The rich man was crying, and he wanted to send a message to the people back home so that they don't go to that place because it is very bad. He said, please send someone to go there so that they repent. Why? Because when you go, there is no turning back. Brethren, the only time we have is now because death is coming. A redeeming time because death are evil. Paul said this. Before Paul, I will say, Job chapter 14 said, a man who is born of a woman, he has what? Literal days. Then Moses said in Psalms chapter 90 verses 12, O Lord, teach us how to do what? Number our days. Brethren, we have few days. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It is of the grace of God that he don't show us, he don't tell us how many days are remaining ahead of us so that we should not panic. But right now I'm encouraging you. Do you know how many hours, how many days, how many months is remaining for you to die? Because death is coming. And when it is coming, it doesn't choose. Whether there is dogs or whether you have guns, it will come. It will leave the gun in the closet. The death will come to you straight. In Zambia, we have lost two sitting presidents. There are wars, there are bodyguards everywhere. But death went through all of that and took the president. So no one can just prevent you from dying. Right now, we are dying. Your life is like a glass sand. I was in one class and I saw it, I turned it, it was like, it is coming, it is coming, and it will be time it will do what? It will finish. That's our life. It is like a vapor. So, in conclusion, we have work to do, Two, we have little time. Lastly, death is coming. In whatever we need to do, brethren, let's do it now. We have a mission. We have the work to do. And this church has the work to do. Therefore, it is upon each one of us to redeem time. Time is precious. It is never recovered. Once we waste it, you blew it in, our, in your language, you never recover it. How much time have you wasted? How much is it remaining for you to do that work? Some of us, I was playing soccer very well. I can turn around here, dribble every person, but I can't do that because my body is telling me you are odd. So even you, you can feel it in your body. Just know that time is finishing. Death is coming. Whatever you need to do, do it now, brethren. We have no time to waste. Let me encourage those who are doing. Keep on doing. No matter it is hard, make sure you finish to the last point. Last time you will say, like Paul said, I have finished the work. I have fought a good fight. To those who are doing the work, 
do not be disturbed. Keep on doing it because time is not with us. We need to make sure we please our Heavenly Father. May God help us and may God bless us all. Thank you so much, Pastor. Let's just stand together this morning. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed for a few moments. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions as our pianist comes this way this morning. If the trump of God were to sound in just a few moments, moments and all of our time was done, do you know for sure that you'd be going with him to heaven? Have you trusted Christ as your personal Savior this morning? If you're here today and you say, I know for sure, I know for sure, but I have a shadow of a doubt in my mind. If I died right now or the trump of God were to sound, I know that I'm going to heaven. Would you just lift your hand up? Nobody's looking around. I know for sure that I'm going. I know for sure that I'm going. All right, wonderful. Put your hands down. You're here this morning and you say, you know, that kind of frightens me. I don't know that I like that talk. Could I just encourage you? You need to know and need to have that nailed down today. You just heard a powerful message and a powerful testimony of the importance of the time that we have. And right now, you have this moment, you have this time. If you're here today and you're not sure that heaven's your home, you're not sure that if you died that you were going to heaven, but you'd like to get that nailed down this morning and you want us to pray for you, I'll not come to you, I'll not call out your name, but I want to pray for you this morning. You say, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'm not sure that the trump were to sound that I'd be going to heaven with Christ, would you pray for me? Just lift your hand up. I just want to pray for you this morning. I'm not sure. Lift it up so we can pray. I see hands this morning. If you're here this morning, you've yet to trust Christ. In just a few moments, we'll have people down front with a Bible. They'd love to show you how you can ha have that nailed down. But if you're saved this morning, can I ask you, what are you doing about the work? What were you put here in the United States of America in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, why were you placed here? For what purpose did God leave you here? Maybe this morning we should seek out our Father's will and get about the work that he left us here to do. Father, I thank you for the powerful testimony. Father, thank you that you're still, still saving souls. Thank you for missionaries who are willing to 